All right, welcome back to Face Off Spot. This is your host, Adam Larson. I'd like to thank you guys for tuning into another episode. I always really appreciate it when you guys tune in. I also really appreciate our sponsor, Howie's Hockey Tape Company. If you would like 10% off of your Howie's Hockey Tape purchase, please enter the coupon code FACEOFF10. That's FACEOFF and then the number 10 into the coupon code area in order to get 10% off. Uh, we really appreciate uh, Howie's Hockey Tape Company. I also really appreciate our next guest. He is uh, a DFW native who has gone on to play uh, professional hockey, uh, who is now uh, uh, coaching, and a lot of people in the area know him. But uh, anyway, Austin Smith, thank you so much for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Adam. Appreciate it. Yeah. Well, uh, Austin, I know that it, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, cause we never met in person. And sometimes when I reach out to people that don't know me, they're kind of like, Oh, what, what's going on here? Uh, but you were very much like, Hey, this sounds like something that would be fun. Uh, so I'm glad that you, uh, were not bothered by a random stranger, uh, reaching out to you, uh, asking you to uh, talk to them for an hour. Uh, but I'm glad, I'm glad you're here. But now that I have you here, um, I'd really like for you to start the show off the way everybody has to start the show off. And I want you to talk about how you got interested in the sport of hockey itself. Uh, this might not have been the first time that you stepped out on the ice, but uh, um, what got you uh, interested in the sport? Yeah, so um, question. I, uh, so I started playing in 94. I was six years old. I'm an I'm a 88 birth year. The Stars actually moved from Minnesota in 93. Uh, so the timing, the Stars just kind of aligned. Um, when they moved down here, and my dad had no idea what hockey was from east texas he actually grew up uh, he rode bulls professionally for a while <laughs> and that was the most connection he had to, to sport really um so it was a completely different uh, game for us and our family and like i said minnesota dallas dallas here they started on these promotional things they were called hot, i think it was like hot dogs hockey pucks something like that uh and they did it out there at the valley ranch star center uh next to where the cowboys crack facility was and it was just punching the rookies they had them come on the ice and kind of run some drills and spark the spark the interest in the game for the kids and uh i remember going on the ice first time just tennis shoes i think we went out we were just doing some puck handling things with the players and i just loved it thought it was the coolest um some tickets for christmas that year and my dad and i fell in love with from that point on i think when i was seven it was my favorite sport. It's all I wanted to do. We played a lot of street hockey, a lot of ball hockey. Got into it. You know, about my second or third year, we were playing travel hockey because there was no one else to play. There was only a couple, like, there were only a couple hundred kids that even played in, in Texas at that time. Yeah. So we were traveling everywhere to chase. And, um, you know, year after year, got better and better and better. And crazy story just kind of kind of happened. And organically yeah. grew as this mic well, went on. Well, uh, well Austin, it, 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 I, I really think it's good that you brought this up. Uh, so I'm an 86 birth year. So when, when I was growing up playing hockey, there were not uh, as many organizations or, or down here now. So it's kind of interesting that you had started playing hockey before it had kind of grown into what it is now. And I know, obviously, it's, it's great when hockey grows um, and it's great for these kind of smaller towns. Um, I'm an operations manager down in the Mansfield area. And, you know, I can say that when I first moved down here right before it opened, there were a lot of people in Mansfield that, uh, like yourself previously, had never been, you know, um, had never seen hockey or, or been around it or really knew a lot about it. And I will say that with how much the game has grown since you first started, it's just it's crazy the amount of growth. Um, but sometimes people wouldn't believe it if you told them, hey, uh, I'm from this area. And when I started playing, there is 
it did not look like it does now. I mean, I'm sure you have to be fairly proud of, of the growth that you've seen since, you know, you were a kid. Yeah, it's just incredible. Um, it's hard to even fathom right now. Um, and even still, I mean, you talk to people, you know, and on my new line of work now, I'm, um, I'm in the OR quite a bit, surgeon, talking to people in a completely different world. I mean, you tell them, you tell them your story, you tell them what you did. They're like, hockey in Texas? They, they can't even fathom the fact that in 2023, there's kids that play hockey in Texas. So to see, like, where it's come from and what it is now um, is really incredible. When you start telling them, hey, there's 12, 13 rinks here locally. Hey, we have, you know, X amount of thousand kids that are playing. People are just, they're blown away that there's that much interest and growth in the sport. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then and then even just uh, with them, uh, you know, hosting the Worlds, the IAHF uh, Worlds last year. I mean, that was held, you know, it's only been held, I think, twice in the United States. You know, one of them happens to be down here. But just any time I can kind of uh, catch somebody that's kind of around my age that can kind of look back and be like, hey, uh, there was not as much hockey back then, but you were kind of a part of that uh, initial group, which is cool. Um, so... Uh, you're, you're, you're playing, at what point does it kind of start getting uh, more competitive for you? Because I think when you ended off, um, you're playing travel hockey at this point. Um, who are you playing for? Um, and then, you know, um, what does that look like? Yeah, so coming up, I think, I think we really started to take it serious at about 10. Um, and, and by serious, it's not like it is now where it's, you know, insane. They're on the ice all year, all year round, every day, all day. Um, I mean, at that point, we were still playing other sports, and we just played hockey in the winter, and that was that. But uh, we were, yeah, I'd say about 9, 10, started on our whatever it was, single-A travel team with the Stars, like you alluded to. We only had the Junior Stars, whatever that team was at the time. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty neat because you look back, the majority of the guys I started playing out with in that 88 first range, I mean, the core of us, the 8, the 12 of us, whatever it was, pretty much stayed together all the way through minor mid. Um, so I got to play with a lot of the, the you know, same kids growing up, came really tight-knit families, um, and really got to evolve and uh, get better together. And my last, both teams ran, and I think at one point we moved out to North Richland Hills, that was like Dallas Metro or something like that. Um, did that, then it became the Dallas Storm, and that's when we started getting to the AAA years, when Dallas finally had a AAA team. Um, and then our midget minor year, my last year, Dallas Storm, I think, turned into Alliance. It, you know, how these mm-hmm. organizations names kept changing over time. Um, and that was a great team. We had um, Chris Kostopoulos was the coach of that team. And we had, you know, his brother Tom played in the NHL for years with the Penguins. Um, and just he was super hockey knowledgeable. Um, and he was one of my first coaches I had when we got into travel. Um and having a guy like that come down and grow the game, you know, there's been there's been different coaches over time to do it, but really like kind of hard nosed old school mentality that really understood the game, but also let us help develop our skills. I think is why our birth year kind of flourished. As you look at, you know, some of the some of the stuff today is so skilled skilled based. We do have a lot of talent kind of come in and have a guy like that teach the game to the kids. You know, we we had no idea how to play the game the right way. Yeah, I think it's why so many kids in our, our first year were successful. Uh, so off that midget minor team, I think we had five to seven of those guys ended up playing Division One, and a handful of guys went on to play Division Three. So it yeah. really was a um, kind of the growth of the game and the evolution of our birth year, 
coaching we had from the time we were, you know, eight years old to the time we were 16 and kind of all went our separate ways. I kind of had my own path once I left out at 16, but, you know, everyone kind of was groomed from that 18 to 16 year old um, year. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what would you say? I mean, cause I feel like there has to be something to be said about kind of playing with the same group, like, you know, year after year after year. Um, I mean, I love that there's so much hockey down here, but I feel like nowadays, you know, you could be playing for maybe tigers one year, maybe the next year you're playing for penguins or you're playing for a lead or you're playing and all those kids kind of get to know each other and they're all very, very talented and skilled. But, um, you know, when I was growing up, it was, there wasn't a whole lot of kids playing hockey and the best of us played together kind of like yourself uh, and your, your teammates and friends. But it was just we we just knew everything about our playing styles and where we would be and, you know, who worked well together. And it was just it th- there has to be something that's, you know, to be said about like, hey, this is a group that has played together for and you see it in other, you know, you see it in the pros and you see it uh, in any high level of hockey. But how much do you attribute that success to just having you know, teammates and players around that you just knew kind of inside and out and that you kind of, um, you could kind of expect where they were going to be. But um, how much do you attribute that? Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I think a lot of our team success based off that. But I think a lot of like individual success is just based off, you know, key values, morals, great families, tight-knit families, families, families of sacrifice, families that push but knew their boundaries i i don't know i'm i'm so outside the game now i don't i'm not in the youth hockey game uh here in dallas but just from the from some of the stories i hear um changed quite a bit and i think part of that too is the different generation um but the i think we had a lot more adversities when we were younger mm-hmm. and like the generation before us could probably say the same thing about our generation oh yeah but it was a different, it was a different game. Um, and it was, a, it was a lot harder to get to the next step and it was a lot harder to make a team. And it was a lot, um, I think it was a lot more demanding. There wasn't as much politics involved. Um, so even though we have less guys that get used from than what they, the pool they have now, it was just different. It was a different time. Um, yeah. Whether that's better or worse. <laughs> Well, and, and and I do, I do, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but I do feel like um, it, it is more difficult to kind of try and pass down um, old school hockey values. I'll put it that way, which I, I think is lacking um, in the sport. And this is on every level. This isn't just in youth hockey, um, but really everywhere. I feel like even in the NHL now, uh, people can look down on, you know, being hard on players and, you know, um, but the, I feel like a lot of that's just accountability. Um, and I feel like sometimes that is what is lacking. Uh, I might even go outside of just hockey, but sports and maybe society, society in general is just, you know, there, there sometimes can be that lack of accountability. And I felt like there was not, um, there was also not as much uh, pushback. I can remember there were coaches that I might not have liked or might not have agreed with, but, you know, I still, I still did everything that they said. I tried to, you know, um, I tried to be a, a good player for them and, and do what they were asking me to do. Um, but I feel like now today it's it's almost like the uh, the coach is secondary sometimes. And it's more about, you know, what the the parents or what the uh, kids think. And I, I feel like we've sometimes lo- lost the path of 
listening to our leader, who is our coach, um, you know, and allowing him to do what he's there to do. And I do think that's been uh, lost a, a little bit. And I've, I've had the same conversation with quite a few of my previous guests, but uh, it can be really difficult as somebody that kind of grew up with that because I had a bunch of those old school coaches as well. I've talked about it quite a bit, but um, it, it is different now in the way that you have to coach is different. And um, I think now it's, it's just kind of strange because certain coaches have to adapt um, to the way that things are now. And whether or not that's good or bad, um, that's just the, kind of the way that everything's trending. But I feel like a lot of people that, you know, um, are our age that found success with having that uh, old school style of coaching we do find that there's a lot of value in it. And um, I kind of wish that it was more acceptable uh, in today's game. Yeah, 100%. And uh, I, I did coach there for a couple of years at Jesuit, and it, it was eye-opening to see a lot with a lot of what you're talking about. Um, I mean, granted, the kids did have great morals. They had a, two years of really good kids, good families. Um, but it, it was different and trying to like, I mean, to get my button pushed, I mean, it was more just like I wanted the challenge. I wanted the adversity. I wanted, I could take it and yell that all that, that kind of stuff pushed me to get better. And with these kids, it's like you do that to some of these kids, they just completely shut off. Um, mm -hmm. and so being able to, to push the right buttons and to get the most out of, you know, kids that don't really, uh, that don't deal that way. And they right. the new very challenging. Yeah, well, and the, the thing was before, and I think that we both have probably played with players like this, and you were obviously a very good player growing up. Um, but the thing was is that um, I feel like there's a difference between being a good hockey player and being confident, and th then being a good player and being overconfident and, and cocky in your own skills. And it's almost when I see these young kids, it's like I've seen hundred, hundreds, if not thousands of you that we're the best at some point, whether or not it's in 10U, 12U, 14U, whatever. But then, you know, at a certain point, they cannot accept the fact that they are playing A with, you know, better players or they're being coached harder or, you know, like when you move up, I feel like you really only find uh, success by just kind of, um, you know, being able to buy into systems and um, being able to play uh, every position and being able to do everything and not just being you know, the, the kid that's going to try and maybe stick handle through everybody or try and, you know, do it all himself. And I feel like with me being from a little bit smaller of a city in Tulsa, we had a lot of kids that were really, really good in Tulsa. But when they would try and move on, they had a, a difficult time with it because they had never had any, they had never had to overcome difficulties or play against, you know, some of those better players. And um, sometimes when I see some kids now and it's like, you know, they haven't really uh, maxed out as far as, you know, kind of the difficulty that they're going to play against. It's almost one of those to where if they don't enter some of these, um, you know, lessons with a little bit of humbleness or, you know, it's, it's just not going to work out for them. But, uh, I try and kind of, I, I don't, I don't try and scare these kids, but at the same time, I'm trying to let them know that like, I've seen, I've just, I've seen this story and over and over again. And if you don't have the right attitude, you're just never going to make it as far as you think that you will. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. I was fortunate enough to play at the highest level. Um, and as you climb the ladder and you go to every stage, the one thing that I think is the most refreshing as you keep going on, you're moving up, the, the pyramid gets smaller and smaller. It's the people and the players are so, so it's hard to describe people that aren't in our sport, so humble and down to earth. 
And I mean, some of the best players y'all ever play against or with are the best people. They're really, really good people. That's why it's always team first mentality. It's always people first, family first. And that, that's what was neat to see. Cause a lot of the, I mean, a lot of the kids, a lot of the media, like you don't see that. But when you get in a hockey locker room and you get to see like how much guys care for each other, how much guys take care of each other. Um, and you build those bonds and relationships. Um, and to know that, you know, you get some of the best players in the world and it does change their mentality on how they treat people, which I think is the most important thing you can take away from, um, from a person or a player, oh. that, that ability to that humble, really down to earth person. Yeah. Superstar, yeah. but that's so secondary. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, I do, I do want to get back into your story a little bit because, you know, I, I'm, I'm always curious when, uh, you know, kids end up moving on and playing, you know, high level hockey that are from this area. Uh, cause I know that it's not always the easiest path. It's not like, you know, it's not like you're born in 88, living in Dallas and, you know, end up going to play professional hockey. It's not that there's not a lot of people before you that have kind of taken that path, uh, if you will. So I'm always kind of curious, but, um, you know, you're, you're getting closer to moving on to uh, playing juniors in college. Um, what does that kind of look like from here? Um, I mean, are, I'm assuming, like you said, a lot of people on your on your team are, are being looked at and they end up kind of playing higher level as well. But um, how do you kind of get your first introduction into, oh, hey, I can move, you know, I can move from the DFW area and, um, you know, kind of continue my hockey career. How does that what does that move look like? Yeah, so my story is pretty interesting. I, I was a, I was a real little guy. So when I was junior, I guess sorry, freshman year of high school, I was five two, nine nine pounds. I was tiny, um, and it wasn't even until probably my junior year where I was five five, one hundred and twenty soaking wet. So I was always little. I was always overlooked. Um, you know, playing here locally in Dallas, the AAA team was always one of the top scorers, but. No one gave me any real interest in health. I was a tiny, how small I was. Um, a lot of my motivation and drive, I was, um, I was selected to the U.S. Festival. I think the first year you could, whatever, that 14-year-old year or whatever it was. And I honestly don't even remember who the coach was. But at the camp, he sat me down after and kind of the post, whatever, they give you an ounce of how they thought you played and the trajectory of your career. And the guy just said, he's like, you got a lot of heart. You work hard, but you're just, you're way too small to play at the college level. Start looking at, you know, I probably want to maybe focus on another sport, focus on academic, whatever it was. But he gave me that speech and obviously motivated slash, you know, um, that's one, one thing I remember from that age. And, uh, I just kept, kept chipping away, plugging away. Um, and then here locally, all my midget minor play team again, it was either top or top two in scoring. Um, at that point, it hadn't had any college entry and for the midget major team. Oh, uh, the coach that was coaching that team said he didn't know if he'd take me because I was, I was too small and he didn't know if I'd be able to hang the big boys at that level. And so, all right, well, I'm going to go somewhere where I'm going to play. Um, I don't want, I want to go play on a triple A team, play fourth line. That's not my game. I'm not going to have much opportunity to get seen and go to college. So started looking around. We, when we played at national, my midget minor year, there were a couple of prep school coaches up there. And only, uh, we only have one guy come up to me and it was from the gunnery and he watched me play and he's like, you have incredible skill. He's like, I, he's like, I, I, I think, I think you can play college hockey, you know, right on. 
this is my guy, this is my path. Um, we looked after I had that conversation, I, I ended up looking at a couple other schools and um, I had another guy at Berkshire, another school I looked at. And I went on the visit there and he said, yeah, we like you, but a little small. I don't, I don't know if you'll be able to make our team next year. I was like, okay, out on him. And I focused on the gunner. I went to the guy and said, okay, I'm going to go here. I'm going to play. This guy wants me to play. I'm going to go in and shape. I'm going to do everything I can. I want to play in the top, whatever, top couple lines by first year. And uh, I went there and I led our team in scoring. Now my, I went there as a junior. Um, and the last, the last game of that season, my junior year, we played the other school that I went and I went and looked at, and we beat them four three, and I had a hat trick, and I got to shake that guy's hand at the end of the game. Like those are the things you don't forget, because I'm a very humble, motivated okay. player. But it was nice to kind of be able to go through that line and be like, "Hey, thanks for your time, appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Good luck, yeah, you know, good luck." Like little things like that just kind of keep you going. And um, that year finished, and I, I knew that. You know, okay, maybe I, at that point I hadn't had any college offers. Teams were starting to come and watch and go out in my senior year. I got off to a really good start. And by, uh, by Christmas that year, I had 10 full ride offers. And wow. I was like, I'm going to play Division One. It didn't even really hit me until I was picking a school. And I was like, holy fuck, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to make, I'm going to move on and play at the next level. Yeah. Um, and so I had, I was, my final three choices were Yale, uh, UNH, and Colgate and Yale was where I wanted to go. I had a great coach team, obviously an Ivy League school, top notch. Uh, but they they only give financial aid, and it wasn't much. They don't give scholarships. So it's like, okay, I can choose one of these other schools and you know full ride, or I can come out of school in debt. And at this point, I'm not even thinking about hockey. I'm just thinking about okay, I'm going to be able to play Division One. I, I want to get my school paid for. Um, Look, went to Colgate, absolutely loved it, loved the coach. Looked like a place I'd go in and play right away. And um, and that was it. So Colgate um, I took a year in between. I was, I was little, I'm still little at this point. So after I graduated at 18, I was probably 5'10", 145 pounds, still tiny. I went and played a year in the, the D.C. League in British Columbia. Um, I went there. I got hooked up through the name here locally. People probably know is Jeremy Law. He coached a junior B team and uh, I went out just to get some ice in the summer. And when I was, when I was playing, he told me after, he's like, you've been on the ice 10 minutes. I called my dad up in Penticton because his dad was the coach for the Penticton Bees. He said, you got to come watch this kid this weekend. Check him out. I think, I think you'll, I think you'll like him. I think he'd be a good fit. Decided to take a year. So he flew down, watched me play. They, I didn't even know what Penticton was. I didn't know what the BC league was. Uh, was up there a couple weeks later, absolutely loved it. And so I kind of committed to the head coach there. I said, hey, if I, if I take a year, this is where I want to come. And so when I finished school, uh, signed my, my letter with Colgate, I decided to take a year. I played in the BC League with the Bees. Uh, that was my favorite year of hockey by far because of the culture, the people, the experience. I mean, that's like high school football here, you know, times 10 that hockey and, you know, a small town in British Columbia playing juniors. Um, so I said that probably my life we, we won the whole bc league that year here i'll never forget a great built family um and that really going for my college career about 20 pounds that year became more two-way player better all-around player uh then i was ready when i went to school I, my freshman year um i was second on our team at points so i got a prominent role in the power play and a top two line right off the bat and really didn't look back from there it was a good uh Really good four years at Colgate. 
I had um I had hip surgery after my junior year. I needed hip surgery going into my junior year, and I didn't do it till after. I had my worst season was my junior season, um, and just left a really bad taste. My super motivated um, bilateral surgery at both my hips. And so going into my senior season, I'm coming in on I guess new hips, if you will. Um, and that was my probably my best year. I scored 36, 39 games, and was runner up for the hope. Yeah. Yeah, and, and 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 I and I did I did want to talk about one thing before we get to the uh, kind of you being in the running for the Hobie, which I think is is awesome, and uh, I'm sure that's something that you're still uh, should should be proud of. Uh, I know you're hu- I know you're humble, but there are certain things that uh, it's okay to be uh, certainly proud of. But um, with you being a smaller player, um, obviously, like there's some things um, in your game that you have to adjust. Um, but do you think that there was anything about being smaller that actually maybe gave you a little bit of an advantage once you kind of learn, um, you know, or kind of understand that you are a little bit smaller? Um, I guess it's a two-part question. How do you adapt to that? And then once you do, is there an advantage into being a smaller player? Because, I mean, there's there's quite a few uh, players that would be considered uh, smaller, but I feel like they kind of almost use it uh, to their advantage a little bit. Um, how are you able to adapt to that? And, um, and, and kind of what did that look like? I just think it really rounds out your work ethic because you, anything you're going to do, you're gonna have to work that much harder to be able to get to the dirty area, be able to get the puck out of the, chip, chipping the puck out of the zone, be able to take, you, you learn how, how to take a hit. It's almost easier to take a hit when you're smaller and almost to give a hit because you have that low center of gravity. Mm-hmm. Um, you can play a little chippier. I mean, I'm I'm not as small as height-wise as like what Brad Martin is. You're able to see what he can do with his his size, uh, the impact he makes. So you learn. My game definitely was not as gritty as his, but but you learn how to play the game a different way and how you can insert yourself. Um, for me, a lot of a lot of goal scoring was learning. I mean, kind of lay in the weeds as a little guy and and find you know. The, sweet spot of the back door just kind of creep it in the high high spot it's easier to get lost on the ice um, and i think that really helped my goal scoring and then like i said just as far as like motivation drive got that many more pucks worked on you know worked on getting getting taking those hits getting the puck out you just you work on all these things i think a little bit harder knowing that um you're gonna be one of the smaller guys on the ice in order to get the job done as a little guy you're gonna have to take care of the the little things in order to do do it day in and day out yeah well well, that's that that's a that's a great answer that's that's an awesome answer uh and just to to give you kind of a a heads up here uh my father who i believe he's almost uh, he's like 62 or 63 now but um he was my coach growing up uh he was a really good hockey player when he was uh, I still think he's a really good hockey player, but he is five four, uh, and there has been a bunch of people that have been like, because he he still has you know kind of the tree trunk legs, uh, really good hockey player, but there's just so many people that were like, man, him being smaller, he was just he was harder to get off the puck. It was just like it was almost just like they had to kind of try to be a little bit more aggressive to try and get it because they couldn't play him, uh, you know, the way that most people would. But it's just For always sure. kind of interesting. It's it's kind of just it's interesting how. Um, but yeah, you, you do have to certainly grind and be able to be a well-rounded player, um, cause you can't just rely on your size. And I'm not saying if you're playing high level hockey, you're a good hockey player, no matter what. Um, but you know, sometimes, you know, if you're, if you're looking at a roster and you see that a guy's six 
uh, you know, six one or whatever, you're kind of like, okay, like that's great, you know. But if if you're looking at a guy and he doesn't have the height that maybe you know you're looking for, it's like, well, he better be pretty good because you know uh, I have another guy that can skate just as fast that is you yeah. know a few inches taller, and yeah. so it just kind of it kind of automatically puts you at a disadvantage just on paper, you know, which a lot of that, you and know. I, I think a lot of it is when you're you're younger, because as you get older, you're right. I mean, once you reach a higher and higher level, like, I mean, honestly, at that point, you either have or you don't. The skills either mm-hmm. there, you know, but those those years, your, your molding years where you're really building up, you know, your work ethic and your talent. I think those years from like eight to 16 where you're really, cause that's, that's where you're, that's, I mean, that's where yeah. you make your game, you know, as in those, the formative years, um, at least for me, I thought that's where a lot of the motivation and drive came from that kind of, it, it wasn't even so height of so little. I mean, just, I mean, you constantly, every battle you go into, the guy's got you by 40 to 80 pounds. Uh-huh. Uh, so it just motivates you to find other ways to use your body, use your stick, be creative. Um, and just learn to think the game better because you're going to have to in order to win battles against a guy that's 40 to 80 pounds more than you. Right, right. Well, and all of these all of these things that you learned eventually, and I'm kind of speeding back up into where we were before because I think this is awesome. But I mean, you're, uh, you're in consideration. So I, I, I know that you told us where you finished, but I kind of want to go back a little bit into... When did you figure out that you were like in that conversation? Because like one of those things that, or I, I don't want to make any assumptions, but I'm assuming you kind of put your head down, you continue continue to skate hard. You know, maybe you're paying a little bit of attention to how many you know goals or points you might be racking up. But when does when does that um, scenario start to you know become a reality? If that makes sense, it was probably February. I mean, college playoffs start in March. Uh, it was. Just one of those years. I mean, every I put so much time and effort into scoring goals that year. I mean, that was my main focus. We didn't have going to the season. The coach sat me down the year before. I told you my junior year was a really disappointing year. Um, yeah. I I tried to play more of like a playmaker role, and I've always been more of a shooter. I've always been more of a goal scorer. And so, I coach sat me down. He's like, "Well, if you're gonna have a good year this year, and we're gonna feed. I need you. I need you to shoot the puck. You know, like in practice." Stop two on ones. He's like, don't even look at the other guy. Shoot it. He just kept trying to program in my head. You got to talk. And when it gets down to a game, like you'll make organically, you'll make the right decision when the time comes. If he's open, put it on the tape. If he's not, mm-hmm. and after that, it was just a constant reminder in my brain. That's all I did that year. So be able to, it was essentially a goal a game going into our college playoffs is what I had, um, which is pretty wild for how. And I, I never really thought about it at the time. I was playing as hard as I could, working as hard as I could. And like that mindset was like, shoot the puck every opportunity we get, we shoot the puck. Um, and then it, uh, you know, then it's kind of a pride thing. It's like, man, I would, that was incredible to finish as a goal game. How many guys would be able to do that, you know? Um, and so it was just a compete thing every night. I mean, and when you get in a rhythm like that, it, it's almost disappointing you don't score anything, you know, which obviously we know that everyone's played the game hard very very hard to score a goal a game and i don't know you know how many seasons it would ever been able to do that again it's just one of those years where everything just kind of went you know you gotta it takes a lot of good bounce takes a lot of good i had an incredible center who played played many years with the bruins and chris wagner and then i had a we had a young guy that year a winger um 
that just distribute it and he worked and he was good in the corner. And so it really freed me up to be more goal scoring winger. Um, and so back to your previous question, when I guess it was when you get to February and you've got high 28 goals and 26 games or whatever it was, like, man, they may, they may actually, they actually happen this year. I mean, there's a chance to yeah. actually win. Um, and yeah, we kind of made our run. I, I felt to win it. You know, in order to like deserve it, you need to make the frozen year. You at least need to make the playoff, right? Down mm-hmm. to the game. Uh, we had a great team that year. I think we were second or third in our conference. And we got beat by Cornell, who ended up making a deep run that year. And so we didn't get out of We almost got into the tournament. We were like 17, I think. We're the next team in. Um, and they obviously they only take 16. So at that point, once we didn't make it, I think I mean, I think it's like 39 and, or sorry, 36. 38 or 39 games something like that um but i just didn't i didn't think it would be enough given that we didn't make the tournament um and yeah that's kind of how it went I, it was so cool to go down to the it was held in tampa we went to the final four went to the ceremony and all that um and the kid that won it i believe it was Connolly. i mean he was awesome another really good player he put up um similar point but i think their team that year could go to the final four so and I think that's how it should be. You know, you're on a team. It's a team game, right? Yeah. Um, the guy that wins should be on a team. The, the You're the MVP of a team that, you know, went all the way down to the end. So yeah, yeah, really, yeah. Um, cool experience. Great to meet those guys. They both had really good pro players as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think about from when you're, you know, freshman year of high school here in Dallas, Texas. And, I, like I said, I was 4'11", 100 pounds, soaking wet. To be yeah. able to be even in the running for the Hobie and then go to the actual, you know, final three was mind blowing. Yeah. Pretty, pretty cool experience. Very humbling experience. And yeah. uh, we're all supportive and hoping I was going to win. But um, like I said, I went to a really good player. So it was neat. Well, yeah. It, I just think that, you know, it's one of those things too to where there's, and I've, I feel like I've had quite a few, you know, decent hockey players on the show or whatever. But I feel like for you, there's just kind of this like, reoccurring theme of just like drive you know what i mean and i know sometimes you've said it you know it's about you being you know a little bit smaller in areas or whatever but just it's like um you've had something stacked up against you and that drive is kind of maybe just what propelled you to um you know be a great player and um i mean do, do you i mean can can you say that a lot of a lot of your success is just be, you know come from just that drive of, of wanting to be the best. Cause sometimes um, there's players down here well, there's players everywhere. I don't want to say just down here, um, but they have all the skill in the world, but if they don't have the drive, it just, um, it, it's just not going to end up getting them where they think it's going to be. And I think that you've probably seen this firsthand and I'm not trying to speak for you, but I mean, do you attribute that drive to, you know, uh, a lot of that success that you had? Oh, 100%. I mean, that is, that is a innate quality that you either have or you don't, and you can't, can't be taught. And you see, I mean, you see all the best players at the highest level. I mean, I think that's the number one thing that tells them to get better and succeed. Um, so, yeah, without that, I don't care how much you have. I don't, I, you, don't, you don't make, or you get to the next level. You look at some guys in the NHL that have gotten there post-draft, you know, good junior careers, and they get in the NHL, and they don't laugh. Because you have to show up every day, and especially when you get to that level, whether you're playing 82 in the NHL or you go to Europe and you play 60-something games, I mean, 
you're performing every other day and if you don't take care of your body you don't stay motivated you don't find a way to get better there's that pinnacle at the very top i mean there are players that in the american league all the way up and down the roster step in and play an nhl roster any given night and you wouldn't even notice they were an american league guy you look you took the name bars off the jersey you'd have no idea that's how close of a level it is your yeah. superstars yes you're going to notice those guys your david your the guys that are just, you know they're they're elite they're on another level but you mix in those those role guys or anywhere third fourth line guys especially in today's game where it's not as not as physical there's not a lot of fighting i mean guys up and down the roster all the way down the fourth line they score goals they can kill penalties you put them on a power play they'll probably do all right i mean that's that's how much skill there is in the game and yeah. how much work ethic and uh, desire there is to stay and, and play at that top level yeah well i just uh and, and i uh I like to liken it to this, to where it's almost just like there's, because there's more people playing hockey now than ever, you know, but if you look at it, there's not that many more NHL teams. So just the amount of skill that it takes to even get uh, a sniff at that is just, you know, it, it, it's not, like you said, your, your, your superstars are going to be their own kind of, you know, unique thing, but everything outside of that is just kind of putting in that extra work. And I feel like, um, like all the rest of the people there is no like contentment it's no longer it's like they fight for it every single day like you were saying yep. and if they don't you're not going to find yourself in that area because there's a guy right behind you that is you know just as skilled now granted yep. you're talking about uh talent that's probably you guys are you know top one percent or whatever it is i forgot what the statistics are but it's it's crazy you know just how good you have to be in order to do that but just when I see kids, young kids these days, they get content too early on. I'm like, oh no, like you're not like you have skill, but like it takes like there's so much more after this. And if you don't continue to push, which, you know, that's their that's their choice. But um, just uh, that contentment, I feel like is where um, um, some kids can fall short, um, you know, and there's a lot of parents and players uh, that listen to this podcast. So I was kind of trying, um, you know, get some life lessons out of. Uh, my guests, you know, like yourself, they've gone on and played, you know, very, very high level hockey, but it's good for them to kind of hear this. You know, you're, you're not just good and you go. It's like, no, you're good. And then you work your butt off every day. Um, and that's how you kind of end up there. But um, I did want to get into um, uh, getting drafted because that isn't something that happens to that many people either. Um, if I skipped anything important, let me know. But no, um, I that's kind of was my my route from from when I left Texas to when I started college. Um, like I said, it was very very neat going from where I was beginning of my freshman year. You know, when I graduated college, signed my pro contract. Pretty pretty humbling, cool cool experience. Yeah, but I mean, and and you're signing that contract with uh, it's the stars, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, um, Mark. Well, we got, we got, like I said, we lost Cornell. We got bounced out of the playoffs, and I signed my contract and I was down in the American league like a week later, down and off. Yeah. Park. Yeah. But I mean, that has to be, um, I mean, you know, you're hoping to make it further in college, but now, uh, now it's a profession and now you're starting to play with guys that are much, much uh, older than you. What is that kind of entry into that? Uh, you know, being, you know, obviously younger uh, than the group that you're joining. Um, what is that kind of entry like? 
Uh, it, you have no idea what to expect. The one thing I remember from my first game, I, uh, we played, um, I'm trying to like whoever Edmonton's farm team is. I think they were actually in Oklahoma at the time, the Barons. Um, but first game out of the gate, it was so, so different for sure. Cause we played a very, uh, we played a very open game at Colgate, my, or at least our line did, the way our coach just let us go. Um, so to get up to pro and the systems were just so much more structured. And I hadn't really played that way the last four years of my career. So that was, that was a huge adjustment, just learning, you know, the different track. At this point, there were still traps in the game. There was still, yes. you know, the two, you know, two, two, one, just like the different four checks and where to be and you know the different like i said at colgate we just kind of went <laughs> so, yeah 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 yeah, um, yeah that was uh that was different um and but as far as speed of the game i actually thought college was faster it felt faster so that was a little bit of a surprise but i got there i'm like oh okay, this is i got a little more time than i think just because the college game the way they were, you know when you were only playing on friday saturday night you have a lot of energy, a lot of jump, and a lot. You're you're rearing and ready to go. Whereas when you play an 82 pro game season, not to say the games aren't fast and you aren't you know playing hard every single night, but the energy level kind of varies over an 82 game season. Whereas in college, I mean it's it's a hundred yeah, miles an hour all the. Yeah. So that that was a little different, and just how how well I played defensively. Because you, yeah. you're able to expose a lot in college. There's still a lot. I mean, it's it's a good defensive game, but you get you get to that next level, and guys on the back end. I mean, you're not you're not walking guys very often. Uh-huh. Yeah. So just as far as how sound guys are, how how well they play the D zone, how hard it is to get separation and get open, those were kind of some of the about college that I was able to do really well, especially by my senior year. That that was a whole new learning curve. How am how am I going to be able to be successful at this level? Is, um, and guy, yeah, guys are men at this point. Whereas in college, you still got you know nineteen to twenty three year olds. Most of the guys you're playing against, that, yeah, everything stronger, harder. Um, you, you got to work a little harder for your. Say so that was a big difference coming out of college. Mm-hmm. Well, um, but it it, it seemed like you kind of uh, you kind of figured it out at a point. Um, how long did you stay um, down in Austin? Um, and then when did you make your uh, kind of trek? When did you decide uh, to go ahead and move overseas? Because that's usually a, a pretty popular uh, route for uh, a lot of players, especially if they want to kind of continue to play uh, a little bit longer. Um, but can you kind of talk about um, kind of maybe that transition into deciding uh, that you wanted to uh, go, overseas, uh, go overseas or at least stay over there? Yeah. So, yeah, I had a... I had an interesting start here. So I, obviously I came out of college as a pretty big prospect given how I finished my last year. Um, mm-hmm. When I got into our system, uh, we had a lot of really good players coming out. Um, Riley Smith, Alex Chase, um, Alexa, go down the list. I mean, we had a lot of good kind of prospects coming up all around the same time. Well, like I said before, when you get to this level, there's only so many positions available, right? I mean, you only got so many skilled positions, so much power play positions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I'd say the one regret of my pro career um, is I just wasn't more patient. Um, I think had I had I 
stayed a little longer. And I like, I've always been a resilient, just keep working until I make it happen kind of player. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of got, it was during the lockout. So came down, we finished the season and then the lockout. So we had all the NHL got two way contracts that got sent down to start the season. So when we started camping off and we had 30, 30, 35 players there, I mean, there was, it was gridlocked. And uh, so you got the guys that are on the NHL team taking up top two line spots down in Austin while the walkout's going on. Mm-hmm. So you were fighting just to get in the lineup to play on the fourth line. Um, and I think where I, where I should have put more time and energy into is but when I played, when I played college, I was a, I was a two way player, but I was, I was a goal scorer. I didn't really play many other roles. Um, and that was really hard for me in pro because, you know, you get thrown on a line. At that time, the game hadn't changed yet. The game didn't really change until post-lockup. We still had fighters on the team. We still had guys that kind of mixed it up and played a more, it was more physical game. And so you weren't necessarily, your third and fourth lines, you weren't necessarily playing with playmakers, if you want to call them that. Um, so when you get in there and you're used to, you know, playing with guys and creating and, and scoring goals and making plays and, it was a very different game for me. So the games that I got in, you're you know you play seven to ten minutes a night, and you're not you're not producing. I mean, your goal is to get on the ice, chip the puck out, dump it in, and make sure you don't get scored on. Yeah. Um, very different mentality from what I'd I'd been you know previously. Um, and so I think that is my one regret is I I just wish I would have taken the time to grind it out, do a little more, keep working until I got into one of those. But I had the skill to do it. I think at some point I would have been in that position to play the power play, play the, the role that I didn't know how to play. Yeah. But I got frustrated too quickly. Um, and we just, we had a ton of prospects. We had a lot of really good prospects. Like the conversation we had earlier, you could interchange any of these guys. That's how good, that's how good the prospects are. That's how many guys are waiting to get the call to go to the next, uh, the next line. And so, unfortunately, I, I, yeah, you look back on, on your career and your life, and I, I think that's the one time in my life I just wished I would have. I've always been a grinder. I wish I would have grinded harder and just bit the bullet and found a way. But at the same time, one door closes. I, I asked for a trade. didn't happen. They said the best they could do was move me to um, – they would loan me to Finland. They loaned me over to a team in Finland, and um, they've kind of had players come and go over the years. Like, Ethel Lindell is the guy that started over there. Um Mm-hmm. trying to think we had one other spin um anyway name going blank on it but that's the connection they've started have with these guys over the years and i said sure i'll go over there and over absolutely loved it i love playing on the big surf i love you know i got back and skilled rolling um scoring goals over there and having a great time i enjoyed the new experience the new culture and i, I love that big open eye skill yeah kind of play and uh from that point on i just you know that contract ended Opportunity opened in Germany. So, yep, great. I'll go somewhere new, new experience. Did that. We had another, did that a couple of years. An opportunity in Austria popped out, did that for a few years. Uh, so, just kind of one after another. And before I knew it, I'm like, played six years in Europe and I yeah. loved every minute. So, it is hard to say. It's like, oh man, I regret making that decision. But then again, it did open the door to a really great uh, experience that I, you know, like I said, in my senior year of college, I would have never guessed in a million years I would have went over to play hockey in Europe. So just all these things kind of happen for a reason. And yeah, it was, it was great. Well, and I can say um, I had uh, Colin Jacobs on. I don't know if you know Colin Jacobs. I had oh, yeah. him on uh, a few few weeks ago. And 
one thing he said about uh, playing overseas and playing on the big ice though is he's like man those guys can shoot the puck like it's about shoot like if you're a goal scorer or you're you know it's it's a lot of fun so I'm assuming you still had some fun uh, overseas uh, uh, shooting the puck because that kind of goes back into, you know, what you were doing at Colgate, right? Just kind of, you know, putting pucks in the back of the net and, and shooting, right? Yeah, yeah, it was fun. I mean, that it was, uh, those are some of the best years of my life. Great experience. Played in some unbelievable places. Met some great people, some friends I saw this day. Um, like I said, it, that's a life experience that you will never get. And I, I encourage anyone, I, I mean, I guess depending financially what it's going to pay you to go over there, but I mean, you got to take advantage of like that, a place to stay, a car, or, you know, completely different culture, new language. These are experiences that now that I'm in the real world, I look back on it. I'm like, thank God I took the opportunity, took a chance to go do something so different. I'm in memories that I will, you know, I can tell you to tell stories to my family and to my kids someday. And it's such a, such a blessing to be able to have opportunity. Well, no, and I mean that's that's uh, beautifully put, but uh, I mean that's also what happens. I mean, if you, um, I, I think that that your story. I mean, obviously, you know, you're super talented, but I just think the the biggest message to any of the kids that are listening, or any even any of the parents, is like you just you gotta continue to just kind of grind, kind of grind, and you can't do it. But you know, you you can't just you can't just rely on your skill only. There there are more things to that. Um, and I don't know, you just, uh, you can, you know, you continue to use the word grinder, but I just, I wish that more, um, I wish more young kids that, uh, that were around understood that that's what's important. Uh, and that's how you get through no matter how good you are. You, you can be super, super skilled, but you know, they still expect you to show up, uh, you know, the next day and the next day and the, the day after that. So, um, I think you, you speak, uh, you speak to that very well. Obviously, super talented, but like you said, um, you got to show up every day, right? Hundred percent. Yeah. All right. For energy, that's the business. If you want to stick and you want to stay and you want to be able to to make money playing the game, there's a there's a lot that goes into it that the the average person or fan or parent doesn't see until you start, like you said, until you start chipping away at that pyramid and getting higher and higher. It's a it's a lot of a lot of work. Yeah. Um, like most but oh you work two hours a day so you have no idea the mental grind the mm -hmm. physical grind the nutrition all the flexibility everything that goes into the game of how you take care of your body and your mind it is a it's a lot of work yeah well hey uh well hey austin thank you for sharing your story uh this has been a really good one uh, there is one last segment to this um this is called the shout out uh essentially this is just kind of uh, shout out, uh, it has to be positive. Um, usually, or sometimes people can, uh, do friends or family in the shout out. Uh, they could do uh, a coaching mantra, uh, possibly just, um, a saying that they think might, uh, improve one's life. But, uh, anyway, do you understand the rules of the shout out? Yeah. I think so. Pretty okay. Yeah. So mine would be, uh, so my grandpa passed in his young 70s, um, and he was my inspiration. He was a, um, he played a little bit of professional football. And as I was making my way up from high school on, he would always say to me, it's going to be, it's up to me. And just meaning that, hey, like, no one else is going to do this for you. 
you're going to have to find a way to keep grinding and grinding. At the end of the day, you want to get to where you're going to go. You're going to put the work in and get there. Um, and that always resonated with me. And when he passed, um, I was still uh, at the beginning of my pro career and that's always kind of driven me. And I think even to this day, now I'm in a different line of work. Um, nothing's going to be given to you. You got to, you got to go out and earn it every day. Um, I think those are great, great words to live by. Well, yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. And I think that, uh, sometimes like, um, just the, the best things can kind of be short and simple. And sometimes we try and overcomplicate things, but whenever we just hear things straight, um, and the funny part is, is usually it, it comes from people, uh, that are older and wiser than us, but like those lessons can usually be very, very, uh, simple and very short. Um, and if we pay attention to those, then, uh, maybe we have a, a better shot at having a better life, but I have to do the, uh, the shout out as well. Um, and mine is going to be, um, it's going to just be for hard work. Um, and I know that we were talking about grinding earlier, um, but I'm going to just like kind of say hard work um, in any avenue of life that anybody wants to put anything into. Um, it does come easier. I feel like when you're passionate about it um, and the more passion you have for something, I feel like the more uh, work you're willing to put into things. But it's one of those things to where being good at something sometimes isn't good enough. Sometimes um, you have to work hard for it, even if you know that you're good at it, um, because there's somebody else out there um, that is working just as hard for that thing that um, that you might be trying to get. Um, and you haven't met that person, you haven't seen that person, but they're going to grind and they're going to work hard. Um, but anyway, um, that's my shout out. Austin, right on. Did we, uh, did we catch everything? Did we miss anything? Um, I feel like that was a good one. Um, but if you feel like we didn't miss anything, then um, I can go ahead and just tell people how to get a hold of us. Did we miss anything or are we good? No, that's great. Man. Good. All right, cool. All right, well, stick with me real uh, just real quick. I'll tell everybody how to get a hold of us. Uh, they can catch us at faceoffspotpodcast.com. I'll say that one more time. That's faceoffspotpodcast.com. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere that you find your podcasts. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. We have an Instagram. Um, anyway, uh, and once again, thanks to our uh, sponsor, Howie's Hockey Tape Company. Um, awesome. This one's been really awesome. Um, I'm in the DFW area. Uh, hopefully we uh, cross paths one day. But I'm really um, thankful that you were able to take time out of your busy day. Um, I know you're a busy guy, uh, and I'm just uh, happy that we got to chat for a little bit. Absolutely, man. Thank you for taking your time as well. All right. All right, Austin. Uh, episodes every Thursday, guys. We'll catch you later. Bye.